Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week to clear the docket with, well, the second man, because he can't be the main man. That's Joel Mann, Judge John Hodgman. I am the second gentleman of the state of Maine currently here in the solar powered studios of WERU. 89.9 FM, WERU.org, across the glass from the main man, the mole man, Joel man. Joel, how are you? Doing well, Judge. Now, listen, I have a question for you. Did you um, did you make a, a wedge salad smoothie like I asked? That's tonight's dinner. Uh-huh, right. Prom- <laughs> promises made, promises not kept. Guess what, though? I kept my promise. Last week, Jesse Thorne... I promised to share. Well, I was going to share it last week, but I got a little annoyed and we got a little short on time. So I saved it for this week. Cowboy crackers. Jesse Thorne, do you know what a cowboy cracker is? No, they came up on the show recently, but it's not something I'd ever heard of. Let me ask you, have you ever heard the term firecracker? And I'm not talking about a firework, a snip snap, a bing bang. You know what I mean? I'm talking about a cracker called a firecracker. No, I mean, I've heard of Bing Bangs, but I've never heard of a firecracker. (laughs) Firecrackers, a.k.a. cowboy crackers, are a recipe for, you know what it is? It's a modded out saltine. Mm. And I was sent this recipe by listener Constance right after we were talking about your big vat of ranch uh, dressing. Not ranch dressing, ranch seasoning that you have, right, Jesse Thorne? Yeah, it's great. I bought it at a, a warehouse store. It's like a, it's like a jug of like a pound of ranch seasoning. <laughs> pound jug of ranch seasoning. Yeah. And Constance wrote to me something I had never heard of before. She said, and she was writing from North Carolina. She said, I buy ranch powder packets to make my husband's favorite snack, cowboy crackers. I thought Jesse could use some of his bulk ranch powder to try this snack also. And here's what you here's what a cowboy cracker is. You take a pound of saltines, a cup of ola, canola, or light olive, two tablespoons of red pepper flakes, four tablespoons of ranch powder, put all of that in a Ziploc bag, and flip it around for 15 minutes, and then you eat them. And I was like, you just eat them? (laughs) You You just eat these oily, ranchy crackers? And she said, yes. And that is a way to eat them, but I looked it up, and this is a very... Have you ever heard of these things, Jesse? No, they so far they sound tremendous. This sounds yeah. like uh, this sounds like one of those things like buffalo chicken dip that America invented because America is disgusting, but also America is right. Yeah, I mean, it, I was I was frankly astonished, and and when I looked them up to verify, because I, I, I talked to all my friends in in North Carolina, I, I talked to Phil Morrison, I talked to John Kimball, uh, I I talked to Mac from Superchunk. I talked to uh, Andrea Rusing of Lantern Restaurant. No one ever heard of these things. They're not a North Carolina thing. They're more of an Alabama. They're called Alabama firecrackers. And what I discovered, and they're called all sorts of things because they make them all over the place. Various different recipes. I ended up making the recipe from Southern Living because that's a magazine. So you figured they've got a fact checker. And and what they did and was they they doubled the oil. <laughs> they doubled the amount of oil. They added granulated garlic, granulated onion. Same amount of red pepper flakes and ranch powder, but you don't just flip them over for 15 minutes. You let them steep in that overnight, which I did last night, Joel, last night. And then, and this is the thing, you cannot, you, you bake them for 15 minutes in a 250 degree oven. Joel, I brought mm. you a gift box of firecrackers and uh, content warning for those of you who have misophonia, content warning, Joel eating is happening now. You made these. I made these I'm, last I'm, night. Well, they they steeped they steeped last night, and then I and then I baked them. I would have brought some for you, Jennifer, and for you, Jesse, but I can't. You're in a different place. I can't put them in the chat on the Zoom, unfortunately. And you want me to eat this? Yeah, get one with a lot of red pepper flakes on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Joel is fun. What do you think, Joel? Tastes like an oily saltine. It's not very hot. I wouldn't call that hot. There's no heat there. All right, Joel. It's not exactly the reaction I was looking for, because I want to tell you something right now. They're goddamn delicious. Oh, man. These are so hot. Forget it. 
Forget it. Here's look. We're gonna post. We're gonna post the recipe on the on the show page at maximumfun.org. They're goddamn sorry to be sorry to curse children. They're god or whatever damn delicious. Jesse Thorne, you'll see. I'm gonna mail some to you. Or you can make them yourself. They're real easy. And they're not that hot. I agree with you, Joel, because you know what? I used a different kind of chili pepper flake. I didn't use the regular red pepper flakes this time. Use both next time. No, I used, it calls for red pepper flakes like the kind you get, you know, McCormick, you know, red dust brand. Stuff you put on a pizza. But I, but you know, here's a market report at the Trade Winds. They have Aleppo pepper chili flakes, which is a fruitier and more fragrant chili flake. And that's what I put on your, on your firecracker. Well, thank you. I thought, I mean, I, I think it gives it a bit more depth of flavor, but you're right. It's not as hot. Aleppo pepper. You need to know that that's what they have over there. Griffin Ridge is a spice company in, in Litchfield, Maine, that is killing it. You go into the trade winds, you take a right, you take another right. They have everything you need. They have go, uh, go, gochugaru, ch- uh, Korean chili flakes, cashmere chili powder, in case you want to make Priyanka Matu's Rogan Josh from the New Yorker. They have thyme. They have cumin. <laughs> Hold the phones, John. They have cumin? They have cumin. Stop the presses. Look, I don't know what Griffin Ridge is doing out there in Litchfield, Maine, but it's like a magic trick. When you when you find a recipe that has, yes, you have cumin and thyme and everything else, but you have the, the calls for something really specific like cashmere chili powder. They got it. Take a right. Take another right, Joel. Cumin on? Joel, you're killing me today. Killing me. I'm murdered now. Okay. I have some justice here. All right, but I just want to tell you about one more thing, a little bit more market report for you, Jesse. You know what they had at the trade winds market? What's that? In a big bin. You know what they had? Dozens and dozens of vinyl eight disc collectors sets of Sign of the Times by Prince. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> John, I have an admission to make here. Yeah. I posted on my social media that I had spent my Christmas money buying an eight-disc set of Prince's album, Sign of the Times. Right. Which is a double album, but eight is a lot of discs for a double album. Eight is not enough. I opened it up, and I've been listening to it, and I have a confession to make, John. Please, yeah. It's actually a 13-disc set. What? What happened? (laughs) And there's a DVD. Oh, well, that makes me feel good because the ones they had at the supermarket were only the eight discs, no yeah. DVD, and they were and they were three fifty each, $3.50 each. But now I know you got the really special stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's could, get into the I knew docket. I could put off justice for another minute with you on that one. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Here's a case from Douglas. I bring the case against my wife, Juliet. Just before she and I became involved, I went on what I consider to be three dates with a different young woman. A dinner date, a brunch date, and a group birthday party. Then things ended naturally on good terms. Juliet was the next best and last first date I went on. She and I have been married for 12 years. However, whenever we tell the story of how we met, if I mention I was dating someone at the time, Juliet objects. She insists that we were not dating, but that we had rather just gone on a couple of dates. She thinks I'm overselling the relationship because the person I was dating is an actress who is reasonably well-known and that I like dropping her name. I won't here. I would never describe this young woman as my girlfriend, but I think dating is a perfectly reasonable way to describe what we did. If you, for example, jumped three times, I think it would be perfectly reasonable to say that you had been jumping. Am I a monster husband? That's true. If Joel Mann jumped three times, I would say Joel is jumping, not Joel went on a couple of jumps. It's unlikely that Joel would do that. Oh, I'm still still steamed over Joel's lukewarm reaction to my hot crackers. Don't jump. All right. So we have withheld at the request of Douglas... The name of the actress that he definitely went on a dinner date, a brunch date, and a group birthday to, whether that's dating or not, is the subject of this discussion. And also, at Douglas's request, we have changed uh, his name 
His name is not Douglas, and his wife's name is not Juliet. A mysteries abound. Yeah. But I presume that this person that he was that he was dating uh, has to be some some incredibly famous great beauty that you would want people to know that you had been dating. I presume it was Isabella Rossellini. Yeah, seems likely that it seems was fair. Yeah. Isabella Rossellini. Yeah, because they were um I I I know from from another bit of this letter they were 25 when they met. So and that's 12 years ago. Like, if you were 25 years old and dating Isabella Rossellini, you would want to say, I think you would want to say, even if you had only been yeah. on a couple of dates. Honestly, if I went on three dates with Isabella Rossellini before I met my wife, yeah, I'd already have sold a book about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Even if one of those dates was just a jumping date. Yeah. <laughs> just three, Just three jumps. <laughs> You know what I mean? That would be a, that counts. I had a couple go-to first dates, you know, take a girl ice skating <laughs> right. uh, or go do double dutch. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, would you say then, Jesse, that it is fair that, to say that Douglas was dating Isabella Rossellini in this case? It really is on the line. It's on the line, right? It really is on the line. I think... Were it me, I think if I use the word dating, I would probably want to use it in a context that clarified that it was a few dates. two and a half dates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, group birthday party. You can kind of strike that off the list. Have, is yeah. there? A- I mean, I don't. Mm-hmm. I would like to be clear. I would want to brag about it, right? If I had dated a famous person, yeah. Even if I was, as I am, in a in a loving a happy, fulfilling relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, me too. I'm, I, you know, I, I have been married to uh, the, the whole human being who also happens to be my wife for 22 years this year. And we dated pretty much exclusively, though not entirely, for 10 years before that. But on the other hand, you know, like... Justin Long, my cohort in, in the in the Apple ads, was dating Drew Barrymore, and I played her husband on a TV show one episode of. So does that mean that Drew Barrymore and I were dating? Yeah. I dated Drew Barrymore. <laughs> yeah. How about this, John? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the wonderful actress Aya Cash yeah. went to high school with my wife and I. Sure. Uh, and uh, Aya, of course, is now one of the stars of uh, The Boys. Right. Uh, but was also one of the stars of You're the Worst. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful actor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she she went over to my wife's house a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, just to hang out because we were all in acting class together. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure I dated her. I'm pretty sure that counts as a date. Yeah. At least one date. I had lunch. Have you ever heard of Paul Rudd? No. Paul is Rudd that is a an, New England thing? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rudd is an actor. Oh, boy, what a nice fella. And I, I had lunch with him once. And then and then I saw him at a hotel, and, and he was having a, a cocktail with Peyton Reed and Michael Shannon, the actor. And I got waved over, and I got to sit with them for a while. And then Paul Rudd and I went to go see Twelfth Night on Broadway together with our wives. But definitely, that's three dates. Three. Yeah. I definitely was dating Paul Rudd for sure. No and by the way, about it. I, I also was dating Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Guest simultaneously once. Wow. I was at a dinner with them and I said to Jamie Lee Curtis, that's I love dream. your husband. I love your husband and I'm going to take him from you. And she said, you better not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True stories. I get why, I get why Douglas would like to brag about dating Isabella Rossellini for sure. But here's where I get hung up. I don't like this coming up in the context of how we met. Like I don't like the I don't like, and I appreciate Juliet being like, why is it part of the story of how we met that you were dating? quote unquote, Isabella Rossellini at the time. That's not part of the story. And I could understand why Juliet would be like, 
please. That's not dating. You weren't, it wasn't serious. Well, I'm saying this, Juliet. It was just as serious as it was. Certainly as serious as it was between me and Paul Rudd. It was what it was. And I can appreciate why, even though obviously the two of you are deeply in love and committed to each other, why it is fun for Douglas from time to time to remember that he went on two and one half dates with Isabella Rossellini, why he might say it from time to time. Might say, I was dating Isabella Rossellini, for heaven's sake. But it's been 12 years, Douglas. Maybe don't bring it up so much. Certainly not in the context of how we met. That's not part of your story with Juliet. How you threw over Isabella Rossellini. Because even if you literally like, I'm sorry, Isabella Rossellini, I've met the love of my life. And Isabella Rossellini was crying as you left the room. That's a gross part of the story. Don't tell it. Separate stories. How we met is one story. And then, you know, Isabella Rossellini and I once went to a, a group birthday together. Keep them separate. Keep, keep your beautiful marriage and your weird fantasy memory life separate. You're, in, you're entitled to both, but, you know. Did you know Elliot Kalin went to high school with Anne Hathaway and he knows her as Annie? did he date her absolutely 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 he did if he went to high school and knew her as annie they definitely dated here's something from an anonymous letter writer who asks Mm, another can you please impose a blanket injunction on all parents from badgering single children in their late 30s to get married Mm. that way all the parents who don't listen to this podcast will continue to badger their children, but at least I'll feel heard. <laughs> I think that there, this is very unusual, Joel. I normally don't hear a case between a plaintiff and all parents, mm-hmm. but, but I'm going to hear, I'm going to hear it this time because I think anonymous, more parents of people in their thirties listen to this than you think. And I think they need to hear what you're saying now since this person is also choosing to be anonymous i'm just going to presume that this is the actor chris evans my fellow commonwealthian of massachusetts a native of sudbury and i'm just going to say listen chris evans's mom lisa who's a director at the concord youth theater and also chris evans's dad bob who's a dentist listen to chris look i understand your son chris evans would have very nice babies I mean, we'd all love to have some baby Captain's America running around. And if rumors are true, maybe some baby Johnny Storms in, in, the, in the MCU multiverse in the new Doctor Strange movie it could happen. But Chris Evans isn't ready yet. And it's Chris Evans' life. Don't badger your kids to get married. Don't badger your kids to have kids. Don't badger your kids. That's their lives. By the way, Jesse, before we go to the break, did you know that Chris Evans follows me on Twitter? And once retweeted one of my announcements about Dicktown, the TV show that David Reese and I made. I didn't know that. So That's we're, amazing. We're basically, we were dating. Dating Chris yes. Evans. John, did you know that I have a, I have an Aaron sweater? Uh, so I'm also dating Chris Evans. Oh, is that the but, sweater that he wore in, um, in uh, yeah. Knives Out? <laughs> yeah. That, that wonderful movie that was made by our boyfriend, Ryan Johnson. When we've been dating. Yeah, he was over at my house once, so he and I definitely have dated. Right. Yeah. And Karina Longworth, who makes that incredible podcast, you must remember this. I haven't been dating her. I just admire her work. Yeah, she's really great. Oh, did I tell you that, did I tell you when I learned that Chris Evans uh, was from Sudbury, Massachusetts, I DM'd him and I said, can you confirm a rumor that I heard from Charlotte, a clarinet player that I knew at the New England Conservatory of Music? that Lincoln Sudbury Regional High School was known locally as Drinkin' Drugsbury Reasonably High School? And Chris Evans said, absolutely, that's true. (laughs) That was our second date. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break to hear from this week's partner. We'll be back with more cases to clear from the docket on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support 
of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket this week, and we have a case from John. My wife and I host what we call the Playlist Party. We choose a theme, and then each guest adds two songs they think best exemplify the playlist's theme. Then we debate the merits of each song. I hear you laughing, but I think this is a good game. I like this game so far. Recently, my friend Bree and I had an argument over the playlist theme, Duets. She says it duets a song on which a guest vocalist appears with an established singer. I maintain that a duet is simply two vocalists singing together. For Brie, Freddie Mercury and David Bowie appearing together in Under Pressure is a duet. However, the Avett brothers harmonizing together is not a duet because they are already established as a group. Mm -hmm. I believe this doesn't matter. Eric B. and Rakim, for example, are a duo that have some great duets. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait, so that's that's Rakim duetting with Eric B's turntable scratching that actually, I think, my understanding of the historical record is that Eric B was not actually doing the scratching on the records. B what? Jaw drop. Is that true? Yeah, I think Rakim made the beats and uh, maybe did the scratches too. I think it's like Whoa. a mix. That's my memory. It's a, it's a hazy memory. I would recommend people check out Brian Coleman's oral histories of, of great hip-hop records to verify this. Yeah. But uh, that's my memory. Well, I, my first question out of the gate was going to be Jesse Thorne. Are, 
did, uh, is an Eric B. and Rakim song a duet? No, of course it isn't. That's ridiculous. Right. I don't even know if I would characterize, you know, the show by Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick right. as a duet. Oh. They both rap on that song and they perform together in this. What's that noise? It's the construction. But what they both. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's leave this in the edit. Okay. We got rid of Blowy the Leaf Blower. Now you've got construction outside. The noise I'm hearing, though, is not a construction noise. It's more like a creaky chair. Yeah. So what that sound is, is a giant boring bit that Mm -hmm. bores into the ground so that they can sink concrete pylons or whatever. Mm. And uh, when it comes up out of the ground, the bit. You know, the the screw, the digging part is full of dirt mm. and it does this kind of uh, clanging uh, backwards turn, clang, uh-huh. clang, 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 right. clang, clang, right. clang okay. to shake the dirt out of the thing. You know what, Jesse, speaking of boring bits, let's just move on from that one. Yeah. So wait a minute, you're telling me that the show featuring Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh, that's not a duet? Yeah. Uh, why not i think for it to be it i think a duet to me a duet is two people singing together okay i don't think rapping together uh you know on a posse cut or whatever uh represents a duet i don't think somebody doing a guest verse on somebody's song is a duet I think the part of a duet is the two singers working together directly in a way that uh two rappers on a song rarely do you know that when right. rappers are trading verses i think that's that's a different dynamic than you know tony bennett and lady gaga or whatever well i've got i'm going to throw this into the mix because i'm extremely old when we're talking about rapping and duets how do you account for i got a man by positive k <laughs> it's the classic dilemma how do you account for i got a man by positive k i think this is a i think this is a side road i think raps are a side road i think the real question is is it a duet if there are multiple vocalists in a group who sing together well wait a minute would you agree that under pressure david bowie and freddie mercury that's a duet yes Yes, of course. Right. See, I'm going to rule, and obviously this is not binding, but I think that I Got a Man by Positive K is a duet for this reason. It is in that the the two main voices are in dialogue with each other. And if you haven't listened to I Got a Man for a while, you can check it out. What I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed because I was just thinking of that song. This is off my dome, as they say. Uh, and I remembered Positive K, but I'm looking now at the song. I don't know who the woman is who rapped on that song, which is, I think, fairly criminal. Um, so I'm, I'm during the break, I'm going to find out and I'll let you know. Because that is one where the, the, the whole conversation is, I would like to be your boyfriend. And she says, I have a boyfriend. And he says, I'm not trying to hear that, see. And they are, they are in, in dialogue with each other. And certainly, does, does could, that include? Does that include the show? I mean, excuse me, Dougie Fresh. Yes. Yes. Have you ever seen a show with fellas on the mic with one minute rhymes that don't come out right? They bite. They never write. That's not polite. Am I lying? No. Nope. You're quite right. You're quite right. It's an yes. interchange between Rick and and Dougie Fresh. I I'm feel I'm feeling that is that is in the duet zone. It's insofar as you can also have, and I'm I, I defer to you. None of this is binding. I leave I, rap court is your court, but I, I what I what I think that we're identifying at least is something that we agree upon some common ground about what a duet is. It is not necessarily just two people singing together or performing together and merely harmonizing. That would be a duo. A duet is when two distinct voices, lines, singers, performers are. In conversation with each other. And that can happen even in a nonverbal piece. Like you have a clarinet duet, two clarinets, they're playing off each other. You know what I mean? 
And then we take a break. And when we walk over to the Burger King to get our lunch at the New England Conservatory of Music on Boylston Street, the BK is not there anymore. And Charlotte tells you they called my high school drinking drugs pretty reasonably high school. And you wonder for the rest of your life, is that true? Different story. Sorry. So I would say that Bree is correct in that Freddie Mercury and, and David Bowie, that is a duet. But Bree is wrong in that a guest vocal on a track does not define duet. Is that fair to say, Jesse? Yeah, I think that's a fair description. Yeah. You have to, two voices singing to each other, like me and Paul Rudd singing uh, karaoke, uh, Fairy Tale of New York, at the uh, Daily Show Christmas Party, one of our many, many dates. Joel Mann, did, did Joe Bird and the Field Hippies ever do a duet? No. To pick two duets to add to the playlist. Uh, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard. Singing what song? Yeah. Poncho and Lefty? Yeah, Poncho and Lefty. Thank you. All right. I'll, and what's the other one? Look, I don't work at a community radio station. Do you? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody! If you if you got a couple of duets you want to you want to you want to suggest, put 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 them in the comments at the Judge John Hodgman Instagram account. Let us know. Let's build this playlist out. I like it. What about Huey Lewis in the movie Duets? Sure, anything with Huey Lewis is fine. Okay, great. Thank goodness. Here's something from Kyle. My friends and I play a grand strategy space simulator called Stellaris. <laughs> this is great so far. Uh, John, I can already tell I'm going to love this one. <laughs> are you? What type of strategy space simulator are you playing? Grand or otherwise? Look, before you move on to even the second half of this sentence, may I point out that I was going to cut grand from grand strategy space simulator because I felt like that's that's a statement of value that we don't need. But it turns out Grand Strategy Space Simulation is a very specific genre of space simulation. It's literally called <laughs> Grand Strategy Space Simulation. I don't know. What, what's the problem, Kyle? Grand is a word used to uh, delineate the boundaries of a certain genres of strategy, space simulator, and canyon. <laughs> I think that they're trying to dis distinguish it from a mundane strategy space simulator. Yeah. Okay, here we go. My friends and I play a grand strategy space simulator called Stellaris. And in our current game, diplomatic relations are strained. Oh, boy. I'm playing as a despotic empire bent on purging the entire galaxy of all other species. Wow. My two other friends, Kevin and Lewis, are playing as more humane open societies. I have no issues with our political differences. Oh, don't you? However, our, <laughs> however, our game lacks a court, and I'm looking for an injunction regarding a diplomatic snafu. Situation normal, all fouled up. All fouled up. In my quest for domination, my fleets are presently massing on my southwestern border to invade the empire next to mine. Meanwhile, Kevin and Lewis have banded their civilizations into a federation and have offered membership to the empire that I am planning to invade. Their plan is to bring this empire into their fold in a bid to prevent our empire from achieving its manifest destiny. Rude! <laughs> Please order Kevin and Lewis to stop bringing additional civilizations into their federation or at a minimum to focus on other civilizations so that I can expand my empire in the way that I see fit, just as they intend to with theirs. Ugh. All right, Grand Emperor Kyle. First of all, your game, of course, it is a court because it's a game. It has rules. Games have rules. And it did not take me long on the Stellaris Wikipedia page to learn, for example, that if you, if you have an empire that you designate spiritualist, it cannot use robots. <laughs> and if a spiritualist empire takes over a planet, it dismantles all the robots on them according to a, their law. And a materialistic empire cannot outlaw robots. So those are rules. And basically the Air Bud precedent applies. The Air Bud king-making precedent. There's nowhere written in the rules that a dog can't be 
a despotic emperor of a genocidal spacefaring legion of starships. And by the way, that's a dig at you, Kyle, your dog. Dictator dog. Something I was going to find in your favor? You're out there trying to take over the galaxy and destroy every other species? That's disgusting. I don't care if it's in the rules. Beyond that, I have two issues. One, a southwestern border. What are you talking about, Kyle? It's space. There's no southwest in space. And two, I have no issues with our political differences. Wow. You're a genocidal tyrant, Kyle. Extremism is not a political difference, not something you hash out and come to common ground on in a chapel in the middle of Kansas, just as an example. Super Bowl dig. No, I stand for freedom in the galaxy. And even taking what you ask at face value, please order Kevin and Lewis to stop bringing additional civilizations into their federation. It's a federation. What are they supposed to do? Not federate? They're trying to block you from taking over a peaceful empire. You want me to order them to not expand their empires the way they see fit? That's how they want to do it. They want to stop you, Kyle, and I'm with them. Lewis and Kevin, go get them. Go get them. Shut down all tyrants. Make no compromise with tyranny. Huh. Jesse Thorne, I'm sorry. I had to go on a little rant there. I spaced out because I was looking at the uh, internet page for the show by Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick, or okay. technically by Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew. Yeah. Cash and checks, making sound effects, and after I finish rocking Slick Rick is on next. It's one of the greatest tracks of all time. You know who produced that record? No. Teddy Riley. I didn't know Teddy Riley. I knew he produced Rump Shaker. I knew he produced Michael Jackson's Dangerous. I knew he produced No Diggity, one of the greatest R&B songs of all time. Teddy Riley produced the show, or at least programmed the drum machines. People are probably writing me letters saying, well, by your own definition, Under Pressure by Freddie Mercury and David Bowie is not a duet because they are, they are not really singing in dialogue with each other. They're just singing their separate parts. So now you don't have to write me that letter. I wrote it to myself. Yeah. Teddy Riley. Go listen to the show. Go listen to, what is it, Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson's Poncho and Lefty. Yeah, great songs. Go listen to I Got a Man by Positive K. Do that during the break and then come on back. You know what's a good Merle Haggard song? No. Kern River. Listen to that song. Jesse, you sang a, a Merle Haggard song, didn't you, at one of our live shows? Weren't you singing a Merle Haggard? Oh, yeah, I love Merle Haggard. What was the song you were singing? You would open the show with a little Merle Haggard tune. Mama Tried. Mama Tried. Great song. You would go out there solo and, and open the show with Mama Tried. And guess what I was doing? Flossing. Hanging around backstage, singing with you a duet. Ah, Isn't that sweet? Let's take a grand break when we come back. <laughs> Listener interaction. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. 
find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app and at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast, a tribute to Teddy Riley. Virginia's own Teddy Riley, you know, a mentor. Teddy Riley, a mentor to both Timbaland and the Neptunes. Really? Yeah. Virginia, one of the most, if not the most important regions of the United States in R&B and hip-hop production, and it's because of Teddy Riley. Okay. Guess what I just learned? What's that? I don't know if this is true. I was out here saying it was criminal that the woman who raps on I Got a Man by Positive K is uncredited on the Wikipedia page. I just found another page that says, no, it's not a woman. That's Positive K with his, with his voice tuned up. Whoa. Whoa. No longer a duet. Also, I was starting to think that maybe you don't love the song I Got a Man by Positive K, Jesse. Is that correct? It's fine. I just not. It's. I don't love it the way that I love the show by Dougie Fresh. No, and of the course, Get Fresh not. Crew. The show by Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh Crew is one of the greatest tracks of all time. We're from different generations, I John. I I love what a man. You love I got a man. <laughs> I got a man. I'll say. I'll say this. It was. It was a really big part of my enjoyment of coffee at the Daily Cafe in New Haven. It was a big banger that summer. All right, Jesse Thorne. Sometimes we get letters. You know, I get all kinds of letters at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org, and I love getting letters. Some of the letters, occasionally, present uh, disputes for us to resolve, either in the docket or in in the not-too-distant future. We hope we're going to live litigation. Others are just writing in to just tell me how wrong I am about how many holes are in a straw. And still others are very touching letters about how much this podcast has kept them company these past months in particular, and we are grateful to be a distraction to you. I don't, and frankly, thank you for keeping us company. But this letter comes from a listener, Alexandra, pertaining to a case that we just heard. Dear Judge Hodgman, Bailiff Jesse, Joel the main man, mole man man, and Jennifer Marmer, I want to thank you sincerely for deciding against me. Oh, I like this so far. Last Thursday, I was awake at 4 a.m., anxious and disoriented. I was anxious because I was awaiting results of a COVID test that I had to get after being exposed to a positive case at work. I was disoriented because I was sleeping in the guest bedroom of my home until I got my test results to protect my husband and kids. So I turned on the podcast and I began to relax. But then Bailiff Jesse Thorne read my email from August of 2019. It took a while for me to fully understand that it was my email he was reading. But sure enough... It was me being wrong about the term dead end. Jesse, you remember that one? Yeah. It was whether a T intersection constituted a dead end. Right. Because she was giving people directions to the community pool in her town in rural Maine. And she was like, go to the T intersection, which she called a dead end, and take a left. And then Joel Mann and I got upset because, Joel, are there community pools in rural Maine? No. Right. So then listen to what she had to say. Judge, I understand why you and Joel don't believe that I had access to a community pool in rural Maine. Back in 2019, I had only recently moved to Maine, so I don't think I fully appreciated the rarity of my situation. However, it is true. The town was Bridgeton, and my family and I were renting a home in an association neighborhood near Shawnee Peak. And to the left of the dead end, there was a beautiful outdoor pool. Anyway, I'm happy to concede my misuse of the term dead end. The next day I got the call that my COVID test was negative. I told everyone who had listened that my case had been featured on the podcast. I made my kids and husband listen. It was the highlight of my week, and there couldn't have been a better time for you to include my old email on the docket, Alexandra. Well, thank you, Alexandra. Joel, what do you know about Shawnee Park? Shawnee Peak, it is a ski area. Shawnee Peak, it's a ski area. Yeah, I used to live over there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Joel. Shawnee Peak is a ski resort near Bridgeton, Maine. And I mean, I guess that there was sort of like a, a what they call a neighborhood association. It makes sense that there might have that there might have that I could be wrong, that there might have been a pool there, that there might have been a community pool since it was a resort community. And so as part of my apology to Alexandra for doubting her, I decided I wanted to 
I wanted to see this pool to check if there was a on the map a pool uh, at the at a at a left branch off a T intersection. It would be so exciting to see it. But then I discovered something that took me by surprise. Jesse Thorne, I know you're a DuckDuckGo kind of search engine guy. Yeah. I like to keep my privacy private. Yeah. Would you mind opening Google just one time? Sure. All right. And I want you to type in with me. And listeners, you can do this as well if you're not driving. Shawnee, S-H-A-W-N-E-E, Peak, P-E-A-K, Maine, Swimming pool. This is what I searched because I wanted a picture of this pool. Go ahead, hit return. (laughs) (laughs) There's just a big box at the top of the results screen that says Shawnee Peak slash pool. And then in giant bold letters, it says, doesn't Doesn't have have a pool. (laughs) Doesn't have a pool. I didn't know that this was even a feature of Google. So, Alexandra, I'm so glad you're feeling better. I'm so glad you get to sleep in the same bed with or near your husband and your kids again. Glad you don't have COVID. I'm sorry about that scare. I'm so grateful for your letter and thank you for keeping us company and thank you for letting us keep you company. But I don't know what kind of crazy ghost pool you went to because Shawnee Peak doesn't have a pool. Case closed. The docket is clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is the ever capable Jennifer Marmer coming to us this week live via video conferencing from the studios at MaximumFun.org where she is holding things down. Our engineer in Maine is Joel Mann, Program and Operations Manager at WERU Community Radio in Orland, Maine. You can listen to WERU at WERU.org, and you can follow Joel on Instagram. His handle is the Maine Man, M-A-I-N-E-M-A-N-N. Hey, Jesse, let me just jump in real quick. Did you know that on the streaming service Disney+, Plus, they own all the Marvel movies that are famous for their mid- and post-credit sequences? They have an option after the movie ends. You just press a button and you skip the credits to go directly to the secret, semi-secret post-credit sequence. Did you know they had that? No, I had no idea. We don't have that feature. So just proceed. Not since we bought that one Danzig album and had to skip to track 93 to hear the song Mother 93. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't skip the credits on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. That doesn't mean there's something after the credits. You just can't skip them follow us on twitter at jesse thorne and at hodgman follow glenn danzig as he putters around the front yard of his home in los angeles mm-hmm. where i saw him one time oh uh, usually he's like carrying some kitty litter for his cats oh. we're on instagram at judge john hodgman make sure to hashtag your judge john hodgman tweets hashtag jjho and check out the max fun subreddit maximumfun.reddit.com to chat about this episode. A very fun thing was happening on the on the subreddit last time I looked, which was people were trying to put together Judge John Hodgman bingo cards. Yes, I noticed. And it was less insulting than I expected. Yeah, it was adorable. It was adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Hello, it is I, the moldering ghost of Judge John Hodgman, greeting you from the bottom of the empty pool at Shawnee Peak, Maine. The pool that never existed! (laughs) It is here where we bury those scary, creepy child letters that are sent to me long after I've asked you to stop sending them to me. Such as this piece of ghost writing I just found stuck here in the pool drain. It is from James. He writes, Your Honor, I understand and I am aware that submissions for creepy children were closed recently, but the rules don't apply to me. Ha <laughs> Just kidding. James had a family emergency. I hope everything's okay, James. In any case, resume letter reading. I keep very early work hours. I sleep on the couch in the living room. 
to avoid waking our one-year-old daughter at 4 a.m. A few weeks ago, I was awoken, though, by my five-year-old standing over me at 2 a.m. Very confusing setup, James. Daddy? My five-year-old asked. Yes, I said groggily. If I drain all the blood from a dead person, will it stop them from coming back to life? I stammered out a, why do you need to know that? And she replied, don't worry about it, Daddy. I'll take care of it. She then walked back to her room and went back to sleep. I'm sorry about your family emergency again, James. I hope everything is okay. And to answer your child's question, yes, child of James, even if a person is dead, even if you drain all the blood from them, they will still write you letters about things their children say. Parents cannot help it. Here's one more from Rob. A scary kid quote from my four-year-old. Mommy, have you ever killed a horse and ate it? No, child. I have. In the underground world. (laughs) Okay, I'm freaked out now. That's, That's too weird. That is all for this segment from the bottom of a pool that never existed in Shawnee Peak, Maine. But before you go, consider this dismaying observation. This segment has no windows and no doors, which offers you this chilling challenge to find a way out. Of course, there's always my way, an obscure cultural reference. (laughs) All right, that's it. Go home, everybody. The show's over. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.